Let's talk about that speech with Claire and Rachel. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Let's Talk About Speech podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Claire. And we're back for another episode. Just a reminder that you can find all of our brand new resource guides on our Teachers Pay Teachers account. So if you need to check that out, go to our Instagram and you can find the link there. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Let's Talk About Speech podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Claire. And we're back for another episode. On our last episode, we chatted, um, not all things AAC, but kind of like my newest endeavor with tackling um, the core in the community project. So if you haven't taken a listen to that, stop, go listen, and then come back. Because spoiler alert, that grant that we talked about, we got <laughs> which a moment is, of applause, yeah. <laughs> which is really exciting. Yeah, I'm we're starting to tackle that and I'm sure we'll do more episodes or cover that in some regard because I'm super excited. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, today we're going to be talking um, about a lower incidence disorder area that I'm really passionate about and I've kind of dove in into just based on the clients that I've been having. Um mm-hmm. So cluttering is a, another fluency disorder. I've done a couple talks on it and that's what I always title my slides or my presentations is the other fluency disorder, because mm-hmm. I feel like even we as SLPs, when, when, when we hear fluency disorder, we just immediately think stuttering mm-hmm. and there's also cluttering and it's different. And I think that we also, as SLPs sometimes put them under the same area and they they really are different. Um, they have a lot of similarities as well, of course, but they should be differentiated, um, because they can be treated differently and they can also present very differently. So I'm really excited to talk about it and I could talk about it a lot. So Rachel will have to like <laughs> give me the sign that I'm talking too much. Um, but I'm excited to hear Rachel's experiences with cluttering and talk about some of my experiences mm-hmm. and hear from you guys as well. So let us know if you have any experiences with this. For sure. So Asha defines cluttering, um, and it's on their website, but it's pretty broad. Um, so they define it as this perceived rapid or irregular speech rate. That's like what we know about cluttering the most is that that's like the, the tell characteristic is rate of speech. Right. Mm-hmm. But they also have in their definition, which I, I love because I feel like we don't look at these pieces as much. Um, they also say atypical pauses, maze behaviors, pragmatic issues, decreased awareness of fluency problems or moments of disfluency, excessive disfluencies, collapsing or omitting syllables, and language formulation issues. So there's a lot in there that I, again, really didn't know what all that meant. Like I still just kept thinking, oh, it's great. Like they sound fast. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. But when you really look into it, there's so much more than that. And I have some kids who I hadn't been able to really figure out fluency wise, like they were having disfluencies, but to me, I was like, I don't think it's stuttering because there's no tension. Mm-hmm. And that's really the biggest difference that I, I would love for you guys to take away from this. Like a big takeaway is when you're looking at stuttering, you're looking at the tension that's happening. So like you feel it 
or I'm sorry, you see the person feeling it happen. And oftentimes they can even describe it if they're old mm-hmm. enough, the tension that's happening. Um, in a younger child, again, you see it happening. There may be secondary behaviors or you just see that struggle versus cluttering doesn't typically have those tension associated behaviors. It's really just the language formulation breakdown due to all of those things that I just said, including rate. So that's, it's a lot. And we'll kind of dive deeper into those as we go on. Um, But I wanted to give a little background real quick, just so you guys know there is research being done on cluttering. It's similar to stuttering in that we're not sure like 100% the cause, we're not 100% sure on everything behind it, but there is stuff being done. So know that like if you want to look on ASHA or you want to look in um, articles, fine. If you're interested in articles, find me, ask me, I will give you some information. Um, but what we know is that it is very similar data to stuttering, about 1% of school-age children also clutter. Um, but it's really interesting because it's also estimated that one-third of children and adults who stutter, who are identified as a person who stutters, also either clutter also, because they can coexist, or they instead clutter. So they were misdiagnosed or misidentified as a person who stutters and instead they clutter. And it makes sense, right? Because we don't learn enough about cluttering at all. I, I was reading this book about, um, there's an amazing book about cluttering that I'll, I'll link in our, um, in our notes, but they were talking about how it's estimated that about a hundred minutes of our grad work is spent on cluttering. And I was talking to my grad students about it too. And they're like, yeah, they kind of mention it, but we don't it's really insane. It. I know. And I feel like I'm trying to think of our coursework just because, you know, like Claire and I were in the same program, but I seriously feel like it was one class period. I don't remember it at all. I'm I'm going to be honest. I don't think I re- remember <sighs> learning about it. I feel like I remember hearing the <clears throat> word, but I truly don't think I, and maybe I wasn't paying attention, but <laughs> I, I just really don't think I learned about it. I don't yeah. think we're learning about it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it makes sense also because stuttering is only one course and that's mm-hmm. not talked about a ton either. I feel like that in itself could be made into more of, um, dove into a little bit more in grad school. So mm-hmm. the fact that cluttering isn't as, um, talked about, I guess, makes sense because I think we spend more time on stuttering, but the fact that it's just as prevalent and becoming more prevalent as people become more educated on it is a big thing to recognize. Yeah. So going like a little bit off topic right now, um, Claire, you belong to the fluency SIG, right? Mm -hmm. Um, For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, SIG is special interest group for ASHA. They're amazing. There are, I think like 20 ish different ones that you can belong to. And I remember that you belong to that one four or five or whatever it is. And, um, do they, I'm just interested like in that thread. Yeah. Like how frequently is cluttering brought up? I mean, that's a great question. I feel like stuttering is brought up more. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people that talk about cluttering. And I think, you know, the big questions are like how to differentiate it from stuttering. Mm -hmm. Um, what do I do? do with someone who's cluttering. And then Mm -hmm. I feel like the biggest one that I've seen is like, okay, so because so many people who clutter often aren't aware of it, Mm -hmm. how do you know how to start treating it? Or how do you know when, or how do you know how to, Mm -hmm. to tell them? I think that's the biggest question that comes into play. Yeah. Um, So I think that's really interesting and I'm skipping a little bit on our notes here, but I think the biggest thing that hit it for me on understanding, um, 
that, uh, I guess just cluttering in general, Mm -hmm. um, and that lack of awareness is that they, people who clutter are often, they lack awareness of their actual speech difficulties. So what's happening in their speech, Mm -hmm. but they actually may be very aware. And in my experience too, I'm finding they're very aware of communication difficulties. So the difference Mm -hmm. is they don't know why somebody is looking at them really confused. But once you start asking them like, oh, how do people look at you when you're, when you're presenting or when you're talking to them, they start, Mm -hmm. they start reporting things that you're like, okay, they notice that they're getting maybe some not so great responses toward Mm -hmm. their speech, but they're not putting it together that it's the speech. That's the breakdown because in their mind, perceptually, they, they are communicating in the way that they want, right. They are effectively communicating, but there may be breakdowns with the listener. Interesting. That really made sense to me. And it really changed my approach to talking with people who clutter on not just asking like, Oh, do you notice anything different in your speech? Or Mm -hmm. do you notice you get stuck or like ways that I would typically talk to someone who stutters more explicitly about their speech. Um, and now I kind of approach it as from more of a communication standpoint of like, okay, what, how do you know when someone doesn't understand you? Does that happen sometimes? What do they look like? Like, what do they say? And I more put it on the listener as opposed to like what they're noticing about themselves. So interesting, interesting. And that kind of blew my mind a little bit when I found that out and I feel like that made me understand it more. (laughs) Um, so Someone named Kathleen Scaler, Scaler, I hope Scott, she is huge in the stuttering world, but she's also huge in the cluttering world. She's done a lot of work with cluttering. Um, she also is newly on Instagram. I'll, I'll find it in a second and I'll tell you what it is, but she has an Instagram that's devoted to cluttering. And I also think she does some podcasting newly too, because I saw my friend, Martha, who's on, um, as Martha's mm-hmm. speech, she was posting about it. So that was newer, which is cool. Cause there's really not that much on Instagram about cluttering. So follow mm-hmm. that. If you can find it, I'll again, link that in these notes, but she also has a course on the stuttering foundation. Um, And another side note, if you sign up for the Stuttering Foundation emails, they put out a $5 CEU course every month. And a lot of times there are some on cluttering. So that's, that's where I really started my education was those $5 CEUs. Mm -hmm. And that's where I really dove into a lot of information because they have some great courses. Um, So Kathleen Scaler Scott, she identifies four characteristics. And this is, this is just from her talk, which is why I'm, I'm, Um, talking about her, but it's also identified in the International Cluttering Association in a lot of research based on cluttering, but she breaks it down really nicely into these four characteristics or criterion that you're looking for when you're evaluating or looking for cluttering. Um, The first is rate. So we say that the speech is perceived as too fast overall. And what that means is you're not always measuring words per minute, because sometimes when you do that, it does come out normal or average. Mm -hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that their overall rate is normal. So a lot of people who clutter will go in and out. So they'll talk really, really fast on on an idea and then they'll have an abnormal pause and then they'll talk really fast. And so it's Mm -hmm. this, this rhythm, this abnormal rhythm that's happening in their speech. And so when you measure that, it comes out normal because Mm -hmm. in that minute, if you're doing words per minute, 
they might overall be within normal limits. So I think the perception of rate of speech is really important to remember because you're not always going to get the measurement that you're looking for. Um, but to the ear, you have to you have to have that clinical judgment there. You may say they sound fast, even if the measurements are normal. Mm-hmm. To um, me, that's like the hallmark, um, yeah. like characteristic that I look for, or like when I'm doing that speech sample, that is kind of like the, whoa, something else might be going on Mm -hmm. here. Yeah, for sure. Is that right? And like, it really is. I mean, that that's the number one characteristic too, is rate. It's just Mm -hmm. interesting because I've, I've worked with people who clutter, who don't necessarily sound like they're talking to super, super fast. Like rate of speech is crazy. Mm-hmm. It's just a little disorganized. It sounds a little mushy, like they're running mm-hmm. their words together. Um, they have periods where they're really fast and then periods where they have pauses. So it's just interesting. It's just like this abnormal rate that you typically wouldn't hear in, in normal speech. Right. Um, the second criterion is an excessive amount of typical disfluencies. So these are things like phrase repetitions and whole word repetitions, maybe that aren't related to tension. Whole word repetitions can kind of go into mm-hmm. both the normal and stuttering disfluencies categories. Um, revisions are a big one. Um, and then interjections like, um, so you're seeing an excessive amount of those. And what excessive means is something that's distracting. So it's distracting to the listener. We all have normal disfluencies or typical disfluencies in our speech, but it's when it becomes distracting or hard to follow, um, or really is impacting their ability to effectively communicate. Do you feel like you see one more than another? I'm just curious. Like type of type yeah. of typical. I f- no, honestly, because okay. I'm thinking of the most recent kid mm-hmm. I have that I'm I'm doing differential diagnosis right now, but I f- mm-hmm. I'm leaning more towards cluttering, and he has a lot of a lot of revisions. Okay, um, but then another another guy I've been working with for a while has a lot of the phrase repetitions. Okay, um, I'm working. I just evaluated someone last week, and I'm I'm just curious. Like, there are so many interjections. Yeah. And that's a big one that, um, you know, like when I took those speech samples, I was going back through and whatever doing the SSI. And I, when I broke it down into types and all of that, I was like, huh? Yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay. Well, and that's again, like, that's why we break it down, right? Mm-hmm. That's why we don't just look at the total number of disfluencies. We we look at the total number of typical and stuttering disfluencies to mm-hmm. differentiate. Yeah. And I think sometimes we forget that that's why we're doing it. We're doing it yeah. to differentiate between cluttering and stuttering. And somebody can have both too. So there can be an excessive amount of typical disfluencies and stuttering disfluencies. So that's important to take into account yeah. too. Um, the third thing we're looking at is those collapsing sounds and syllables, which was an ashes definition as well. And what that means is kind of, like I said before, it's that mushy speech. So it's multisyllabic words that maybe end up sounding like two syllable, but there's no pho- phonological process or articulate articulation disorder, um, that that's not happening. And that's when differential diagnosis comes into play too, is it's important to take that articulation and phonology assessment to make sure that it's not that disorder, a speech sound disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's still happening because their language system can't handle the rate at which they're speaking. 
And that's when you start losing these pieces in their sentences and in their conversation, whether that's syllables or even just dropping sounds. Um, and that's really, it's so interesting when you, when you actually break it down and listen for it, because for example, um, a lot of times, like when you first listen to someone who clutters, you may not notice that because you're so focused on the rate. But then if you transcribe just like a small piece of it, you're like, oh, wow, this butterfly mm -hmm. was butterfly. Like they're mm -hmm. just going so quickly. Um, so that it's super interesting to me. And then the fourth is any abnormal pauses, stress patterns, overall rhythm changes that are happening. Um, so I'm working with someone who's like very monotone, for example, he has a mm -hmm. really hard time changing up his prosody and we're working on prosody. Mm -hmm. um, so for him, it's, he, he has a really hard time changing that up and then his rate is severely impacted. And he also has disfluencies. So, okay. um, he has a lot of the hallmark characteristics of cluttering, but the abnormal pauses can be too long of pauses, or they can be of too short pauses. Um, I have a girl who clutters also that she, um, her volume is impacted, which I've never seen before, or really, I guess, heard before, but that mm -hmm. kind of goes into the overall rhythm of speech. So she sure. will literally, she'll start talking. She starts whispering. And then she starts talking, she starts whispering and it's not a voice disorder. She's been checked out by, by an ENT. We've looked at all that. Don't worry. That was my first differential <laughs> thing that I did. Um, but it's very interesting. And she wasn't aware she was doing it until I told her, which was mm -hmm. kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and now she monitors it really well, actually, now that she knows it's happening, but there are still times when she's not paying attention and she'll do it. And she'll be like, Oh, I just whispered. So mm. that's a that awareness though yeah, is amazing, exactly. you know, yeah, which is very cool. She's, she's been a perfect student. She's been, she's very smart and very into learning about it. I love it. Um, and then some secondary characteristics that we see or have seen in people who clutter. I think this one's really interesting is handwriting. Um, mm -hmm. We often see both the mechanics of handwriting and the content of written language. So we as SLP, SLPs know we talk how we write. So like a lot of times we'll have kids on our caseload who we also see for writing content because mm -hmm. they write the way they talk and we really need to work on those language pieces. So that part, but then it's also interesting because people who clutter will also maybe have messy handwriting. And that's just, again, their overall system is moving too quickly and those mm -hmm. mechanics of their writing are breaking down. Um, and I'm not saying that that's on us. We would still need to refer to an OT if you're seeing that, right. but it is a consistency that has been notified or has been noted in people who clutter, which I think is interesting. Mm -hmm. And then pragmatic difficulties. And this is often due to um, that lack of awareness towards their speech um, and what's happening in those communication breakdowns resulting in these pragmatic difficulties and having conversations with people and talking at length without realizing that their listener has stopped listening. Yeah. Um, and I think this piece is the hardest for me, especially when you're differentiating between ASD and cluttering, right? Because, okay, if cluttering also has these pragmatic difficulties, mm -hmm. you know, you also have to look at the ASD behaviors. And if there's any more of those that could qualify them as having autism. Mm -hmm. Now also keep in mind, cluttering can be secondary to an autism diagnosis. So there can be people who have autism who also clutter. So 
it's kind of all over the yeah, place. Yeah, it, it almost like muddies the waters. Exactly. You know, yeah. things are so. Yeah. Like, but it's, it's cool because you know, like if you do notice that they're cluttering, if a person who has autism on your caseload clutters, you can look at maybe some of the strategies towards mm-hmm. cluttering to help you treat that piece of their communication difficulty. Yeah. And then the last one is attention, which again, is a huge, um, differential piece because again, that ADHD versus cluttering, those have a lot of coexisting, um, or co co occurring, mm-hmm. occurring behaviors, um, that you'll see because that lack of attention and the impulsivity and a lot of that, you may see cluttering behaviors from as well. And those can co-occur. So speaking of co-occurring and again, like realizing that this is like a low incidence, right? Like 1%. So my interaction with individuals who clutter has not been high. I've had exactly two in the what, seven years we've been practicing. Um, do you find that they typically co-occur with something? I'm going to ask it like that before I give Um, it away. I would say like 50, 50 in my experience. Okay. So both of mine have co-occurred with like, not like moderate or severe, but like a presence of a language disorder, Mm -hmm. whether that be expressive or receptive. Okay. So if we're looking at just, I'm sorry, I was thinking so along the lines of like a medical diagnosis. I see. Okay. If we're looking at co-occurring with other speech diagnosis. Yeah. I would probably say higher than that. Mm -hmm. Um, because right. That makes sense. If they're, if their language formulation is, is impaired before they clutter their language overall Mm -hmm. is probably going to be disordered. So that totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's interesting though, Rachel, and this is a great discussion for us to be having live and unprompted. <laughs> we, we have not planned this out. Um, I'm curious if the people you work with, cause I'm trying to figure a kid out right now who his language. So like his self we've done, mm-hmm. we've done self, we've done like a word finding test. Even we've done the mm-hmm. test of narrative language. Everything is normal. Um, it's really just his overall language formulation in narratives. Like when he's talking, when he's doing a personal recount, when he's um, talking at length about something that's preferred. And that's why I'm looking into cluttering, although his rate isn't super impacted, but he does have typical disfluencies. Um, He also has stuttering disfluencies. So I was treating him for stuttering as well. Mm -hmm. And it's just interesting to me because I have cluttering on my radar. Yeah. He's scoring within average everything language, because I agree a lot of times you'll see some breakdowns happening in language. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe it's experienced that. Yeah, I have not, um, again, only because my, um, like interaction has been so low, but I'm almost wondering in that situation, if maybe stuttering and cluttering are Mm co-occurring and Mm -hmm. that it sounds like the stuttering is maybe a little bit more dominant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, that's my guess. Yeah, no, that's, I, I agree. And I honestly hadn't even had cluttering on my radar Mm -hmm. until, I was seeing all these, I was ready to like let go of language. Mm-hmm. And then his mom was, was like, but, but it's hard for him to tell a story still. And he's, he's older. He's like, he's like 10 years old. So he should, mm-hmm. he should be able to tell that cohesive story and he's still really struggling. Um, so that's, that's why it's on my radar. I don't know. Yeah. I just think it's, 
it's hard sometimes. For it sure. is. So that kind of leads us into the next section, which is like evaluation, right? Yeah, right. Do you not wish there was like the SSI over here? I know. Right. And then a separate assessment over well, here to dive deeper. Right. Well, and I think it's hard too, because I feel like so often, especially if you're an outpatient, the client will not come to you with cluttering concerns. They'll come right. with stuttering concerns. So you're not even really planning on clutter. All I will say all of the cluttering evaluations that I've had, except for maybe one have been like on the cuff because I was mm -hmm. expecting stuttering because they'll come in with, Oh, they're disfluent. They get stuck. Mm -hmm. It's breaking down the communication. They talk fast, but even that is sometimes hard to weed out because sometimes the report from parents talking fast doesn't always right normally fast. So it's it's just hard. You have but to again, be ready for it. Yeah, and I blame part of that on the lack of education. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Right. So, like not even being able to pick up on the referral portion. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. So I think what what I've started is as soon as I see rate, I'm ready to do some extra things for cluttering if I mm -hmm. need to. And there's really no extra things, you guys. Um, I think the only extra thing that I do is for a stuttering evaluation, I typically wouldn't do a language sample. Mm -hmm. I do for a cluttering assessment because you see those mazes come mm -hmm. and you see those revisions and you see the uh, abandoned utterances. Those are huge. And you mm -hmm. see the interjections. So I think a language sample has been so helpful. I know they take time. I know they're annoying, mm -hmm. but if you can find the time to do one, if you, especially if you're juggling between stuttering and cluttering, or if you're trying to figure out what's wrong with their speech, um, I feel like that often happens too. Like, you know, they're not stuttering, but you still are having a hard time understanding them. They're not mm -hmm. stuttering. There's no artic disorder, but there's still something do a language sample and see, because in an excessive amount of mazes often mm -hmm. will be a reason to look more deeply into cluttering. So I think that's a really good thing. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, follow up with questions that you know about cluttering. So talking about those, those characteristics, I was just talking about asking parents about it. Like, does it ever sound like they're dropping their sounds? Does it ever sound like their overall prosody or intonation pattern is off? Um, kind of questions like that, that, you know, about cluttering that you can make specific to cluttering. Mm -hmm. Um, and then going into treatment, I'm sorry, I know we're, we're, I told you I would talk forever about this. <laughs> um, <laughs> going into treatment, I really put my goals for cluttering. And again, it depends on if you are only treating cluttering or if you are treating other things. Um, but if you are only treating cluttering, I typically have my goals focused on like three goals. The first being education. So talking about like what we're working on and why, and really making sure that they understand what cluttering is and what the pieces of their speech that we're looking at are. Um, and then going into awareness of when they're cluttering. So like, what does it feel like when you clutter, we bring the speech machine in and the speech mechanism and talk about that similar to how you would do with stuttering. Um, and then you're looking at changing the behavior and that's when those strategies come in. I've had huge success with two things. I feel like the first is pausing and phrasing that has been great. And that's great for stuttering too, mm -hmm. depending on the client yep. and then, um, auditory visual training. I have a great article on it if you would like to look at it, but it's been super helpful. I would say for kids, like 
10 and up any younger mm-hmm. than that. It's, it's way too over their head, but AVF training for sure. And it really is just using Pratt. You guys, you use Pratt, you watch it, um, mm-hmm. and you listen to it. So it's giving them the visual and the auditory feedback while they're speaking so that they can see what's happening. And the visual part of it is really cool because I usually take like a baseline or before I tell them to use a strategy or even just to slow down, honestly, mm-hmm. and you'll see the lack of pauses or the monotone pitch. And then when I ask them, okay, now I want you to have more pauses in your speech, have a pause at each comma or something, or each mm-hmm. sign, whatever I'm using. And then you see those breaks and it's really just like an aha moment to them because mm-hmm. it is their lack of awareness. That's really difficult. So visually seeing it is really helpful. And then listening to themselves as uncomfortable as it is, I think it's so helpful. I always ask if they're comfortable first, but I Mm -hmm. truly think it can be so eye-opening for people, especially the adults I've worked with, because they may never, they may avoid that completely, which I Mm -hmm. understand. And I'm, I'm very cautious with it, but it really helps them understand why we're working on it and what we're working on. Especially if they're struggling with that lack of awareness. Exactly. Right. And sometimes it's so interesting too, because the adults that I've seen who clutter, sometimes it's just bringing their awareness to it. And then Mm -hmm. they do the rest of the the work because they're motivated and they're like, oh, that's what's happening. Okay. I just have to do this. So sometimes it's just bringing that awareness that really allows them to be able to change their speech. And that's something consistent in people who clutter too, is they typically might have different speech in different situations. So like they may be perfectly fine at home, for example, but then at school in front of others or in a presentation is when the behaviors really start to, you really start to see. So then it's just in those certain situations that they're implementing those strategies. Yeah. Um, and then another big thing is self-monitoring. So if you're really having a hard time with awareness, you really can't skip that self-monitoring piece, piece nor should you at all. Mm -hmm. Um, but we really need to teach self-monitoring and it's really interesting because I'm excited for an upcoming talk we have on executive functioning. Cause I'm curious to Mm -hmm. kind of hear about ways because that, that goes hand in hand, right? Self-monitoring and executive functioning. I'm curious to kind of hear about supports for that. Mm -hmm. Um, but a way that I've done it that I learned from Kathleen Scaler Scott, I cannot take credit for it, Mm -hmm. but it's this really fun activity where you usually start with reading. So start with a kid who is able to read um, and you'll have them read a passage. And like, every time they see a word with the letter R, they insert a word like pickle. I let them pick the word usually. Mm -hmm. And like, I'll give the example of pickle and a lot of times they want to use it. So (laughs) so I call it the pickle game. So every time you see a word with the letter R, you're going to say pickle. And then I take away the reading and we have a Mm -hmm. conversation and okay. Every pickle time you hear pickle, your pickle self say an R Mm -hmm. word, you have to have the word pickle. So it really teaches them to listen to what they're saying and how they're saying it while they're inserting. I love it. So it's teaching them okay, I, I can change what I'm saying, right. Listen to it while also paying attention to the message at the same time. So it's teaching them to do two things at once when that's typically hard. It's so fun and it's so cool. It really teaches them good skills. So yeah. Also side note, can we teach self-monitoring for everything? (laughs) Like (laughs) I, but I'm so serious. Like I do it with, I mean, I do it with a lot of all of my articulation 
clients and their ability to then pick up on it and then, you know, like retry, yes, reattempt, exactly. whatever. Yes. It's, it's amazing. So yeah, yes, I totally agree. It's huge for all of our clients. I, I totally agree. And then the last thing is um, stuttering modifications have been found to really help with cluttering as well. Um, And when I say stuttering modifications, I'm talking about cancellations and pullouts. Preparatory sets aren't appropriate because more than more times than not, people who clutter won't be able to anticipate it before it actually happens. So you're looking at cancellations or pullouts Um, and you would teach them in the same way that you would for stuttering, just less about the tension and more about changing what they're saying, either into a slower rate, into um, a clearer rate. I use clear speech strategies a lot Mm -hmm. for my kids. Um, And we often do differentiation too, between like clear and mushy speech, kind of like we would do between hard and soft speech when we're talking to someone who stutters. So it is very similar. I think it's just the wording you use is different. Um, And the way you approach it is a lot different. And there are a lot of resources out there, you guys. So we'll put some in our notes, Um, but there is an international cluttering association. If you didn't know, and they have a website Um, So we'll link that, but they have a lot of great resources and updated information on cluttering. Um, So definitely look at that. And then stuttering foundations, stuttering therapy resources, um, and a lot of the stuttering, the popular stuttering websites have information on cluttering. It's usually just one or two. Yeah. It's hidden. Sometimes you have to dig, but um, I feel like this is one episode where you definitely need to go into those show notes Yes, and there's going to be links, resources, free download links, like all of the things because, because you need it because we all need it. Yeah. The free download, actually, do you want to put a a bug in your ear about it? The free download, the predictive cluttering inventory is fantastic. Um, It's a little old. The most recent one, there was a 2006, but now there's a 2009. Um, That's the most recent, even though I know that's still pretty old, but it's great. It gives you a lot of the behaviors that you'll be looking for. And it gives you a great way to differentiate between stuttering and cluttering. Um, It is not standardized but it is a really great checklist to look Mm -hmm. at. Um, And I use it as a way to formulate goals often based on the behaviors I'm seeing. So love it. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode packed, filled with all of the cluttering resources you could ever want. And just, just for a little hint, there's probably going to be some more to come. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks everyone. Let me know if there's any questions. Bye. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. You can find me, Rachel, on Instagram at supersweetspeech or on my website, speechissupersweet.com. And you can find me, Claire, on Instagram at kindly underscore speech or on Facebook on kindly speech. And then you can email Rachel and I, if you have any questions or concerns, we are let's talk about speech podcast at gmail.com. Thanks.